You are listening to the Effective Statistician Podcasts, a weekly show with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today is another bonus episode with Julia Carter. We speak about impactful influencing, actionable advice to get things done through and with others. What you will hear is a lot about leadership. And leadership is the content of the Effective Statistician Leadership Program, which is currently open for enrollment. It's only open once a year during September, October, and will only be open again next year. So up to about mid-October, you have the chance to enroll in this. And you can become a member of this alumni group of over 300 statisticians and data scientists who went through this program before you. You can learn the foundations of leadership. You can increase your influence. And in the end, you will have an action plan to continuously improve your leadership. So head over to theeffectivestatistician.com to learn about this leadership program. <music> producing this podcast in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the video-on-demand content library, free registration to all PSI webinars, and much, much more. Head over to psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of The Effective Statistician. I'm here, as usual, with my co-host, Benjamin. Hi, Benjamin. Hello, Alexander. And we have a very, very special guest today. Hi, Julia. Hello. Hi, Alex. Nice to talk to you today. So today we'll talk about impactful influencing. And that is one of the key expertise topics of Julia. Julia, maybe you can first introduce a little bit about what you're doing, a little bit about your career, and actually maybe a little bit about how we got in touch. Okay, thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me along to be interviewed today, Alex. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be here. Yes, yeah, so my name is Julia Carter, and I am the founding director of Zest4. At Zest4, we work with leaders and teams, specifically leaders and teams of technical groups. And originally, my background was a pharmacist. So I worked as a pharmacist in the UK, obviously a very technical specialty role. And then I spent 15 years of my career working within the pharmaceutical industry, where obviously I, I realized my passion was very much working with people and supporting people to to be really powerful leaders. So that's my passion. And Zest4 specializes very much in supporting technical experts to be strong leaders, strong influencers, basically to be more effective within the roles that they do. And we met each other, Alex, when we were working at Eli Lilly um, originally and through my business of uh, Zestful, which I started nearly 10 years ago now. I've been doing a lot of work within the statisticians group and other technical specialty areas within pharmaceutical industries generally, but not uniquely. Obviously, what I do works and applies to anybody who, who works with people and empowering people to be more impactful when they interact with 
with others. And more recently, I've been focusing very much around the virtual workplace because more and more teams now are working virtually. So obviously, adding in the virtual lens creates even more challenge for people, especially in the arena of influencing and leadership. So I hope that gives you enough information for now. Yeah, very good. I uh, the different trainings uh, that I got via your team, especially you, uh, really, really helpful. So why do you think statisticians or, you know, technical people maybe in general need to be more influential? So, so when you get hired for these trainings, what are the kind of thought points of the different customers why they want these trainings? Well, specifically around around influencing, I think the the biggest challenge that anybody working in a sort of technical specialty and statisticians, I would definitely class as that. I think generally speaking, there's often a whilst the the technical expertise is so strong, the ability to actually then get heard, be noticed, speak up can become very challenging in particular for certain personality types. Uh, and my experience um, is often these people who are brilliant technically, uh, not always, but often can be more on the introverted scale. So their natural tendency to speak up, speak out, challenge, maybe even they might perceive as creating conflict, prevents them from actually being able to really exhibit their expertise and, and be heard. So I think you know, it's it's crucial that statisticians and, and other technical experts are able to express, discuss, speak up. But there's there's many reasons why why that doesn't happen. So, so if you speak about personality types, I think uh, I'm just thinking about one of your expertise insights and the personality types based on that. And I just know from my experience that a lot of the statisticians are more kind of in the blue or green area of insights. Can you speak a little bit to what that means? Of course, yes. Yeah. So people who are either on the more introverted spectrum of personality. This means that their preference is to reflect internally, to have time to think things through before they speak out in general. It doesn't mean that they can't speak out, but their preference is to internalize information, process it, and then put their case forward. So often when you have people working from that preference, especially if they're working, and the classic is working, I'm, I apologize straight away for, for generalizing personality type and functions, but generally speaking, people who work in sales and marketing functions are tend to be more on the extrovert scale. So quite often what I, I hear is people, for want of a better word, hogging the time than the limelight uh, in meetings. And you can imagine this is even harder in virtual setting, that people who are more on the introverted scale don't have the opportunity to speak out so much or they don't put themselves forward. And I think what I often see is, especially in technical areas, people, they're being given new information in the moment and then being expected to give an opinion on that information. And that is really hard for people who are more internal in, in the way they work because they need time to to analyze, to consider and because of the way these types are, they won't speak out if they haven't had time to fully process the information. And when I ask why, it's around not wanting to be wrong and not wanting to give information that hasn't been logically and carefully thought through. Uh, so it's an interesting challenge and, and one where I feel that statisticians end up not being able to be heard at the table because of this fear of not maybe speaking up the correct answer because they haven't had the time to do that reflection with the new information they've just been given. Does that make sense? Yeah. Benjamin, have you been in these kind of situations before? 
Yes, um, not necessarily with statisticians, but I think this is a general general type of persons that you just described. And I think this is one of the, the major areas where people need to be trained and need to be grow in their expertise to really uh, take the the leadership or say, speak out and make themselves heard uh, during meetings. And especially, I mean, today we are just, you know, in, in our days, we are basically spending most of our time in teleconferences. So doing this virtually with other people and other teams. So I, I think this is a great topic, and especially um, as you as you mentioned before, statisticians or technical leaders are more introvert, and I think this is uh, typical to you, how how you would describe a mathematician or statistician. <laughs> it's kind of an introvert person, so this is really <laughs> something where we where it's a big topic for us. Yeah, absolutely. And Alex, I just want to talk about the the that there was a very rough survey done when I was working with Alex and and what was coming up barriers to, to speaking up at meetings was an interesting one there were three or four main reasons and just to, to highlight what I just said the reasons were not feeling that they have enough knowledge to contribute in the moment so again there's a confidence piece there uncomfortable speaking without enough preparation not believing that they have anything significant to add. So that would, I would sort of diagnose around self-esteem and self-worth. Getting, it's hard to get a word in when I'm on the phone. That's an interesting one, which, which goes to the point I made earlier. Uh, and then the final one was around being afraid of being wrong. So, you know, very common and very challenging, I think, when, when you've got all this technical expertise within somebody to try and get that out of their heads in the moment. Yeah. So that is actually a very interesting angle about this problem with, you know, exposing yourself and the, the kind of having the saying something that might be wrong and that you might need to correct afterwards. I think that has a lot to do with trust and relationships. And I think the funny thing is that has directly then something to do with, with, with influencing. But maybe we can go back kind of a little bit in terms of the influencing piece. So influencing is maybe kind of a weird word because some people might connected with manipulating people and and then you know is that something is that something bad or is it something good what's kind kind of your answer to that question yeah and i think it does depend on what's the motivation behind the influencing if it's only for your own output and it's very selfishly all about you then i would say that then it is potentially seen as manipulation but i would i would hope within an organization that there is a a reason a purpose behind the the goal of the influencing and when i work with people to help them be more effective at influencing one of the first steps i talk about is really really being clear about what is it that you want as an outcome of the influencing and to just check in that that outcome is in alignment with the strategy of the organization at whole. What can happen a lot, especially with people who don't have power, and I'm using that with, with inverted commas around it, position power, so maybe they don't have leader or manager in their title, that, and a lot of technical experts Will, will be in this position where they, they need to influence, but they don't have power because they haven't got manager or leader in their title. Uh, so that, that can be a challenge. But to your point, it's around what's what's the motivation behind the influencing. And I think as long as the mindset is, I know what the outcome is, and I know how that outcome aligns to the bigger picture of the organization, there sh it should never feel like, like manipulation. Manipulation occurs when the other person feels negative about the outcome. And, and as long as influencing is done in a mindset of win-win, 
then goes across to more of negotiation, but sometimes influencing can lead to negotiation as well. So it's a really interesting one, influencing. And I think mindset plays a huge part in it as a process. And, and that's what I often work with with people on their mindset as a starter, along with what is the desired outcome? What is it that you want from the influencing? And a lot of people don't spend enough time at that preparation phase around why, what is it? I, what, why do I want this? What is the outcome I want? And why do I want it? Yeah, so, so I think first is kind of getting clear in your head about why and not only about why you want it, but also why the other person wants it. And I think there's where the negotiation and then the getting clear about things and, and that also actually leads to relationship building. If you create win-win situations and everybody can kind of see how we benefit from moving forward in, in a certain direction. So for example, You want to change the design of a study and showing how that will overall impact the, the complete team, how it will overall help the, the complete strategy and how you can by then, you know, get things done better for, for, the, for the company. Maybe like a more, more general point. I mean, as I said, if you try to convince people, um, or maybe one step back is you, when you, when you mentioned that there's a, you know, we are talking also to, about You know, not the powerful people, the ones with the leader or with the, you know, director and the title. So that, that, you know, one, one aspect is that you network and work together with other people on a specific goal. So influencing indirectly, let's say, or with support of other people. Isn't this something or, you know, one of the biggest impacts in especially big companies or bigger companies that you, that you need to work on or you need to get, get uh, familiar with, with the network? working within uh, a company in order to achieve your goals, to be influential? Absolutely. And if you are an unknown and, and people only know you maybe by a name, then your power of influencing is going to be hugely disabled. Having one of the I talk about power, influencing power in my Impactful Influencing program and, and personal relationship power is one of the list of different powers that are available to people. And one that I think is so easy to develop, it does take time, obviously, but really getting to know the people who are in your network, who you know you're going to need to be influencing as part of your role, building that personal relationship is absolutely critical. And I think people don't do enough of it, especially in the virtual space and really getting yourself known. I mean, even down to having a photograph of yourself on every possible touch point where people, when they look you up, they at least know what you look like. And Alex will know that I, <laughs> I go on and on and on about turning on cameras when people communicate with each other so that relationships can be built and that there's many other ways. But that whole personal relationship piece plays a huge part in having power and enabling yourself to feel more, to have more impact. It's obvious really when we talk about it, but that's so strongly links to trust because if we don't have relationship with individuals, if we don't feel we know the individual, we're not going to trust them. So trust plays a huge part in influencing as to Alex's point earlier. So um, it's a fascinating topic. And, and I think power, uh, some people challenge me on that word, but for want of a better word, you know, actually thinking about what power do I have here in this influencing relationship? And we all have access to different types of power. There's some, sometimes it is position power, sometimes it's not. What certainly statisticians have power, and again, Alex knows I bring this up a lot, is expert power. You know, as statisticians, unless you are a statistician, no one is going to challenge your expertise. So if you're influencing from a statistical perspective, that's a huge 
bonus or, or, or power that, that you need to be pulling on. Um, that there's many different forms of power. Information power is something, again, that I think statisticians maybe don't appreciate the information you have that others do not. That gives you power. So so there's many different ways. And, and I always ask people to sit down and think in each situation where you need to influence, which powers do you have available to you and which ones are you going to use in that instance and if that one hasn't worked can you pull on another one and relationship power is the one that really there's no excuse to not have because we can all spend time building relationships it's just whether or not the motivation to do that is there and actually i think the relationship power is probably the most influential power of all it's more influential than role power and i think it's also more influential than than expertise power But on the other hand, you know, to, to play with the with the network and play with the relationship power, you need to be influential. <laughs> so it's kind of a circle where you say, you know, on the one side, you need the expertise to build the expertise. No, no, I, th I think um, it's actually you influence through these powers, I, I would say. So just as a little bit of a story to explain the point uh, about trust and relationship and expertise power. So I, I recently had a very, very interesting story. So We had a we had a virtual uh, meeting and it was some kind of governance meeting where new projects were discussed. And someone from uh, someone in Indianapolis that kind of was the chair of the meeting and someone else from uh, one of the affiliates was uh, proposing his project. And the leader in Indianapolis more or less directly said, no, I don't know you, so I don't trust you, so you can't go ahead. <laughs> and that was really kind of the story. And it was had nothing to do with the expertise of this person. So so he was in his position for, for I don't know, 15 years within the affiliate. He, he had all the expertise power, but he had no power to get his project started because he didn't spend any time in building the relationship up front. And I think this is, and he also didn't kind of, turn on his camera or anything like this and kind of introduced himself or something like this to, to build a little bit of a relationship in, in the meeting. So couldn't pull on any powers and so completely failed. And only, you know, when, um, when I interfered and, you know, said, said, okay, I've looked into this project and, and all makes sense. And, and I had a very good relationship with that uh, leader as she said oh yeah if you think that that's good i trust you that you looked into it and then you can go ahead and it was you know it was purely about trust and this relationship power yeah i don't know you so therefore why should i trust you yeah it's, it's um It's an interesting topic. And there's a great trust equation that, that David Meister and Charles Green have got a book called The Trusted Advisor. And within that, there is a trust equation. And, and I always smile when I share this with scientists, because to be able to put an, an equation around something as, as um, ethereal as trust, you know, how do you measure trust? And the trust equation states that the level of trustworthiness, my, my level of trustworthiness equals my credibility in your eyes, plus my reliability, plus the strength of the equation states intimacy. And what that means is how safe or secure do I, does the other person feel that I will do it? And how well do you really know me? So that's credibility plus reliability plus intimacy divided by 
self-orientation. And that's the piece that people sometimes get wrong. If it's all about me, every single time we interact, if it's all because I want something, I am diluting the level of trustworthiness that that you have uh, towards me. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's actually a very, very interesting equation. Maybe we can go a little bit through the different components and speak to each of these. So what you can actually do to improve these things. So maybe let's go kind of backwards. So what can you do to kind of reduce the denominators there? Uh, so, mm. so to make sure you're not, not perceived as self-oriented or maybe st start with not being self-oriented. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's around really stepping into the shoes of the other person and hopefully being able to see what's in it for them as a result of the influencing. And this is something uh, that, that I will call empathy. This is the one thing that a lot of people who attend my, my training program come away with and just and, and say the biggest one of the biggest learnings I've taken is the importance of empathy, i.e. stepping into the shoes of the other person, the person I'm trying to influence, and really thinking about what is their perspective on this situation. Because by doing that, I can prepare I plan, I can come up with any all of the possible challenges that they may have because they are them and really seeing it from their perspective. So spending time doing that preparation and asking the questions of what might be their attitude around this, this situation at the moment and coming from that place really does stop it all being about me and getting my my outcome. The other piece I think is also, as I said earlier, around really connecting with the goals of the organization because sometimes people can get very focused on their own functional goals and not looking at the bigger picture. So I think being more strategic in the reasoning why. And interestingly, sometimes that when you actually spend time doing that in your preparation, sometimes you get to the point of thinking, actually, I shouldn't even be trying to influence here because this isn't the right thing to be doing. I've been too narrow-minded in, in my approach here. So that, that can kick up some interesting outcomes. But yeah, it's around really thinking about why the benefits for the organization, the team, the bigger picture, and not just about for me. Yeah. So I think this starting with why is, well, there's um, the guy, Simon Sinek, That, that talk yes. always about it. And I think if, if you go into a uh, conversation and start with explaining why you are doing this and why it's helpful for everybody, that's very good. But I think there's also the active listening part in it to really understand what the other person's view is and take time to, to learn about that. Absolutely. To really focus on their needs, to really focus on their concerns rather than just making it all about what you want to get out of it. The other keywords that you just mentioned were the in intimacy. So what is, or what you described as intimacy, why would you think, or is this so important? And uh, how is this being built in a company or within colleagues? Yeah, and the word, when people see the word intimacy, <laughs> it, obviously people go, hmm, that's an interesting word. What this relates to is is how safe, how secure Does the person feel about entrusting sensitive information, for example, with them? So I need to trust that that information is going to be kept safe. It's, it's how much do I trust you? If I tell you something, do I know that that's going to stay with you? So it's this this level of connection. I mean, I, I also look at this as how strong is my relationship with you as well, because I'm never going to feel 
that I can trust somebody if I don't even know them because I've never spoken to them. I may not have even seen them. So why would I give information or share share information with them um, when I have no idea what they're going to do with it? So it's about feeling secure, connected, intimate, safe with that working relationship. So that's what that connects to. And, and that very much is around building personal relationships, plays plays a part in in, in building that level of intimacy. Yeah, I think there is really kind of being interested in the other person and learning about the other person, their kind of pain points, what what are their hobbies. It's really funny, but just speaking about the last football game with some people helps a long way to build these kind of relationships sometimes. it's um... Sometimes, Alex, not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not about the very <laughs> But yes, yeah, something, and this is the, um, I had an interesting uh, conversation with someone the other day who, when I talk about building relationships, and, and let's just put the virtual lens on now. If I have, if I'm working with somebody who, who is a different, totally different background, area of expertise, sitting in a different country with a different language, we don't turn the camera on. They have no idea what I look like because if they, if they Google me, I'm, I'm anonymous that I don't even exist. I'm never going to feel that, that I trust that person. So, so I do spend quite a lot of time talking about personal brand. You know, if, if somebody was to Google me, and I know it, it, it does, this gets tricky sometimes within organizations, especially where people do want to remain more anonymous for, for personal safety reasons. But generally speaking, most people now are Googleable, um, if there's such a word. I think I might just have made up a word. But, you know, if you Google Julia Carter's S4, you will see photos of me. You will see my my brand. You, you will get a feeling of, of what who I am and what I do. And in today's world, that's really important. And even within organizations, I come across people who don't even have their photograph on their personal profile. So how am I ever going to know you or get to know you? You know, sometimes I don't even know what sex the, the person is because I can't work it out from their name. So these things are something if we want to be influential, we really do need to focus on how when people reach out to touch me, what's the experience they have? And that's around personal brand, really important and something that especially within corporates, people I think don't speak spend enough time thinking about at a personal level. They think about the, the corporate brand. They think about maybe a product brand. They don't think about their own individual brand. And it's really, really plays a key part in, in everything we're talking about under the heading of influencing, but specifically under this heading of intimacy, also credibility as, as well, which, which we'll come to in a second. Yes. Do you sense the passion there? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk uh, shortly about credibility. Yeah. So, so credibility is really about how credible are we on the subjects that we're talking about or the role that we're playing? In other words, do we really know what we're talking about? Now, this is an interesting one, especially for people who are more junior, because I often have people say, oh, well, I'm, I'm new to this and therefore I'm not as experienced and therefore not as, as credible as, as Alex, who's been in this for X number of years. And, and again, this is where mindset plays a huge part in influencing. So just to, to put that as, as an aside, because I know we don't have time to go into mindset as well, being credible, showing up 
credibly. Every experience that people have with you needs, they need to be walking away feeling you have been credible in that interaction. So what I would always say to more junior members of teams is, you know, no one is going to expect you to be the expert because you, you have only been in the organization for six months or, or in your technical ex- area of expertise for, you know, a few months. So to be relaxed and to stop comparing to people who are going to have more credibility because they are more, more experienced. And I do find people hold themselves back with their own mindset, telling them that they they don't know enough or they're not as good as and and really working on that that sort of self-confidence piece is, is also important. But it's around creating positive experiences that when people touch you, and I'm talking email, telephone calls, um, any interaction where, where you are touched by an individual to make sure it feels credible for that other person without being inauthentic. And, and that's something just to watch out. Sometimes I find people trying too hard and then that doesn't feel authentic, which can also impact credibility. Yeah, but I think it's really kind of making promises and keeping to these promises is already the first step. And that is irrespective of how senior you are. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and, and actually, Alex, if, if you don't mind me interrupting, I, I would say that comes that falls under the reliability. So we have credibility and reliability. Okay. So I, I totally agree. It does play. It does. It it hangs under the heading of credibility, but specifically, it's the it's the R, the reliability part of the equation. So let me give an example, especially again in virtual. If you say you're going to send something through by the end of play, by the end of the day on Thursday, and you know that's not going to happen, to be proactive at Telling people that that due to conflicting um, deadlines, unfortunately, this deadline won't be met, but that you will be sending it by lunchtime on Friday. For example, it's being proactive at at um, being reliable. And if you can't stick to your word to 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 put your hand up and again be authentic about it, um, that's just an example. Well, we have touched on so many many different things here and so many different topics and guidances and tips on how to better be influential, also influential uh, virtually. And there's so much more. But I think you have something special for our listeners today, don't you? I do. So we have pulled together a document called Impactful Influencing, which is a, a selection of articles that uh, Zess4 has, has created. And it, it discusses quite a few of the topics we've talked about today, amongst um, other things. So yes, that's, uh, I think what people will find a very interesting read. Yeah. So you can find that on our homepage, theeffectivestatistician.com. And uh, just go to the show notes of this episode with Julia Carter, and then you'll uh, get see this ebook there. Uh, in terms of you, Julia, where people can find you and your company? My company is uh, zestfor.com. That's Z-E-S-T-F-O-R.com. So you will find, you can contact me through through that. And also on LinkedIn, if you search Julia Carter and Zestfor, very happy to connect to anybody who, who would like to. We, we regularly post our articles within LinkedIn and we get some very positive feedback that they're very useful to people. So um, if you want to follow Zestfor on LinkedIn, please feel free to do so. Okay. Thanks a lot, Julia. It was really great talking to you today. Thanks a lot for following our invite and uh, having this chat. It was very helpful. Well, I think we're uh, off for today and we you can listen to us next week with the next episode. And uh, for the, today, we say bye. Bye. Bye-bye. So I hope you really enjoyed 
this bonus episode with Julia Carter, which I recorded a couple of years ago. I think it's still really, really relevant for you, and that's why I put it here as a bonus episode. If you want to learn more about leadership skills, head over to theeffectivestatistician.com and check out our leadership program. It's there to really boost your career, to have more fun at work, to have more impact at work, and actually have more satisfaction at work. Because all that comes with bigger influence and better leadership capabilities. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain and her team at VVS who help with the show in the background. And thank you for listening. Reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.